Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. It is our goal every week to bring the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we pray that it changes your heart and provokes life change and action. God bless, and please listen from your heart. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. We want to welcome you if you're a guest or a visitor to our church services today. Many of you have been with us for weeks. Thank you for being here and attending. It really means a lot to know that it's not just me talking to a camera, but I'm talking to you sitting there at home. And our prayer is that you've connected with us. In the future, we will gather back together and do other things as well to continue to have this online presence. So if you are unable to be here, maybe you live far off, we'd love for you to still connect with us. There are a number of ways you can connect with us through our website, through our weekly uh, Zooms and YouTube gatherings. You can see that on our website at friendshipsturgis.com. You can look underneath the family tab if you've been here forever, or I'm new. If you're new here and you want to learn more about us, there are ways to connect to us in different ways. Also, there's a way for you to give your tithe. You can give your tithe in, in, in several distinctive ways. One of those is you can mail them in uh, to our church address at 5491 Craig Springs Road, or you can go online and you can give at friendshipsturgis.com give. You can do those two different ways, or you can drop them off at the church if that's what you uh, choose to do. I know many people aren't getting out right now. We want to provide different ways to do so. Again, we're so glad you were here this day, and we, we love our moms here. We're so thankful for all the women of influence in our church that have made such an undeniable impact on each one of our lives, from those who served through Vacation Bible School, to those who have been teachers, leaders, and to those who have simply been pillars of our church. We want to thank you for doing that as well on this Mother's Day. This morning we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we're going to be looking through verses 1 through 20. And you heard Jayla just a moment ago share the verses with you, so we hope that you followed along with that, that you open up your Bible, already have a finger there, already have your screen on, however you're looking or going through this today and connecting in God's Word. So so remember those things that were there. We're talking about uh, lessons for a messed up church, but we're talking about prophecy and interpretation And there's a very good quote about that as far as the church. And uh, and it's given like this. It says, The holiest moment of the church service is the moment when God's people, strengthened by preaching and sacrament, go out of the church door into the world to be the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. So understand what the church is. We are the embodiment of Christ and how He's changed us. But the church is built up in the way that we go out and the way that we do so. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. He said, the church is her true self only when she exists for humanity. I think there's no true statement than that. We exist to reach into humanity, to use the ability and the gifts that we have as children of God 
to reach the world around us for the kingdom of God, for the growth and the salvation and the continued growth through discipleship that all of us have within our grasp even at this moment. So thinking about all the things that the church was involved in, and weeks ago we talked about spiritual gifts, but during the society to which this passage is written in, there were those gifts that were held in more high regard than others. And, and one of those was prophesying. And prophesying was basically where you spoke in a distinctive tongue or in a distinctive way that was only evident to, to certain people at a certain place at a certain time. But there were some that took it on and said, well, this is my gift because I see that this is favored more than others in this world, this society it's written in. And so this is what's going on. But there's very distinct things here that we've got to understand. Very much instructions for the church. What are spiritual gifts meant for? Spiritual gifts are meant for the edification and the growth of the church. They are not meant for individual advancement in the sense of, look at what I can get out of this, how I can use this to, to manipulate others or work others or make people think, hey, look at what good job they're doing. It's so that the body itself works together as a whole. So the spiritual gifts that are given are not meant to stand out. In verses 1 through 11, it really brings out and talks about how people who speak in tongues must have someone that is there to explain what they're saying. They must have someone who's there to interpret what they're saying. It's very valued in that society that those speaking in tongues were, were, were receiving this holy understanding from God that they needed to bring out. But it was very valued so much so that people were often said that they were doing these kind of things or had this giftedness, yet they weren't. So there was no understanding by those gathered there. In other words, it was not a benefit to the audience gathered together that were in the church, in the group of people that were, were there. So our spiritual gift, we have to ask ourselves, whom is it benefiting and how is it growing or reaching or, or instructing someone in certain ways? So in verses 1 through 11, it really talks about it. If it's not, if speaking in tongues is not profiting others by way of revelation or knowledge, then is it really prophesying or even teaching? Verse 7 says, Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how would be known what is played on the flute or the harp? In other words, it's not known. They were doing so many things, yet they were not understanding the emphasis of why they were doing those things. They thought it was so that they could get recognition because people were speaking in tongues. People were calling on those people and thinking they were more spiritual than others. So, in the understanding of that, you know, so it really digs into it. And so, uh, verse 9 says this, it says, So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. So there are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. So 
what is the conclusion? If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and to the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. In other words, if I don't use it for the utmost, if that's not really my gift, and if my purpose is not singularly to bring glory to God or help somebody know Christ or help them grow in Christ, then what am I doing it for? It's an empty reason. So what we do in our spiritual gift is meant for the edification of the church. Yes, we grow in our knowledge and understanding of that, but it's not about us in the sense. It's not about who gets the credit as far as human speaking. It's about the fact that God gets the glory in all of this and the kingdom is advanced. And if there's no purpose in what we're doing, then why are we doing those things? So spiritual gifts with understanding... Also, there's an understanding that the edification of the church is important. Verses 12 through 14 kind of illustrates that. It says, So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. So therefore, a person who speaks, they have to have somebody who's their interpret. And if, if they pray in a tongue as a spirit, there has to be some understanding that this is unfruitful. So what's the outcome then? What is the end result then? So what is the desired outcome of someone using their spiritual gift? Verses 15 through 19 illustrate that. So unless people understand what you are saying, then otherwise you are just making a useless noise. You are not benefiting. But for for those who are in in the understanding that that we are thanking God and using God in what what we've done, we are speaking so that others might grow and know and and be lifted to Him in that sense. So, what is the desired outcome? Why are we doing what we're doing? And it begs us to ask these questions in a way of application of this here. The first question it begs us asking is this. Have certain spiritual gifts been given a higher status than the others? And if you're trying to answer that at home, and maybe you are a, a brand spanking new Christian, or, or, or since we've started broadcasting, you've said, yes, I'm a believer in Christ. Yes, I acknowledge Him as Lord and Savior. Yes, I know Jesus, and I'm beginning to understand what God has gifted me in. That question might put you aback a little bit, and you might say, well, No, there are none that are higher than others. They all work together for the good of the body, for the service of God, for the growth of His church. And you would be right in that answer. Also, in that same vein, in that same question, are not equally important to the whole body? Aren't they not equally important to the whole body? See, we've all been gifted as believers and should use the gifts to benefit our personal growth, yes, but also the church growth that is biblically necessary to grow the kingdom. See, the people in these passages view prophecy as most important. And observing that, you might discern the same. But be very cautious. We all have a part to play that benefits the whole with the kingdom growth. Secondly, how are you prepared to grow the church? How are you prepared to grow the church? in our growth, in our understanding of our giftedness, and the utilization of that giftedness, in the service, in the actual going and doing and serving 
That is how we serve the church. Some of you might say, well, like this. Maybe you're thinking the opposite of the first question. And you're saying, well, what, well, I'm kind of thinking the opposite of this right here. I'm saying, you know, that, that my spiritual gift is insignificant and it doesn't matter to the whole of things. I want you to understand if you're, if you're figuring this out at home and you're beginning to understand and beginning to grow or you've been a Christian forever and ever and a day, amen, and, and all of that, that your gift in the church has a vital role to play for the overall health and the growth of the church. And if you're holding that back, then you're keeping God from not only using you and blessing you in your own spiritual walk, but also for the growth of the church and the kingdom outreach of the church. In other words, without doing it or saying it, you are prohibiting what God is trying to do both in you and both in the church by keeping that to yourself. Everybody has something to offer as children of God. Everybody has something to offer. Now that doesn't mean that everybody needs to be everywhere at all times. That means that if you have the gift and ability to do certain things, then that's your area where you are and you're serving and it's evident to others that's your gift. And it's not just something you said, well, I looked at a list and I feel like this is my gift. You discern with a revelation from the Almighty God that this is where you're gifted at. And as you are in that area or you have the attributes of that, other people take recognition of that and they say, well, you are very good at these things. So therefore, I believe you would be great at serving here. Everybody has a place. But I don't believe that the gifts that we have are meant to be held in private. So in other words, you shouldn't have to go up to somebody and say, hey, my gift is, and start labeling them out. Somebody should already know and see the fruit of that in your life if you were seeking to serve and utilize and grow that with your own self, you are then able to do that with the church itself. So we are all important as children of God to the whole of what things are trying to be accomplished. There's no one that's necessarily more than others. Some might be an upfront kind of thing, like if, if preaching or something is your gift in that way, or teaching or, or in that sense, yeah, you see that more often. But it's equally as important as someone who is, who is discerning or has hospitality or, or has the other gifts. It's just important because we all need one another. You, can, you can't tell me during a time like this you haven't wished that you were with other believers worshiping together. Part of worship is using that giftedness for God's glory. Part of worship means that you are giving your all to the one who paid it all for your sinfulness, who gave you the freedom through His sacrifice. When we come back together, my hope, as I said it before, is that you don't resemble the person that you were. This church doesn't resemble what it was before we came into this pandemic. It's my hope is that you're closer to Him than you ever have before. And you're willing to serve Him with boldness and passion and tenacity than you were before. That you've taken this time to take an inventory of your life of what matters and what doesn't matter. And you've decided to do what brings glory to the Spirit of God in your personal but also 
right here in friendship in this church. So it's important for the whole of things. Thirdly, how can you start with the outcome in mind? I think about like this, that you will always hit the target you're aiming at. And adversely, you will always miss the target that you don't aim at. You say, well, that's kind of silly. But what our target is in using and utilizing the gifts that God has given us is that more people will know Jesus Christ than ever before and they will be growing in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. They'll come to the knowledge of what their spiritual gift is, like many of you are, and they'll be doing it for God's glory. In other words, they're not doing it for a pat on the back or an attaboy. They're doing it for the kingdom of God. The outcome is the growth of the kingdom. The outcome is when disciples are then discipling others. So, looking at this, we must start with the target in mind. That simple action at the beginning helps keep perspective. It also not only helps us keep perspective, but it helps us persevere and endure when things are difficult. And I don't know any church out here, or any church that's ever existed, that has never had rough patches or hard times. Difficulties and, and just, just times of just eruption. Some of us spiritually in our own lives have had that too happen. So why wouldn't it happen when you have a great grouping of people? But perseverance and endurance to the end because... You and I have kept the main thing, the main thing, the target, the target, the focus, the focus. That helps me put aside some of these things in my heart and mind and singularly focus on what God is doing and how I might contribute to what He's doing here. Because the reality is, I want to be used by God. You want to be used by God. But God wants His kingdom to be glorified and for salvation to continue to spread to the very ends of the earth. And He wants to utilize the gifts that He's given us for His utmost glory. Keeping that in focus. Also, so we don't grow weary or faint in our service to the kingdom. You and I simply do not wish to finish the race, but we want to finish this race in life well. We all know that our outcome of this life is going to be death. But how you live the life matters. How many people you've told your testimony, how many people you've reached out to that nobody even knows about, how many people you've served, how many people outside of a church setting know that you're a Christian believer and are willing to stand for it at all costs. All of those things and more... That's how we finish well. And fourthly, not all who say, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of God. In reality, what are the requirements? Well, if you look through the biblical literature, you might say, well, you have to trust and believe in Jesus Christ, that He died, that He rose again. You have to confess all the things you've done wrong in your life, and you're going to be saved. And you would be right in that, but are you saving yourself or is He saving you? I've ran into folks over time that were saved and baptized about 15 times. 
And you're laughing probably at home about that now because that may be you. But when you have an authentic encounter with the Almighty God who saves your soul, that happens one time. For all time. And you know without a shadow of a doubt that He's got you and He'll never leave you. Regardless of where you're walking through or what you're going through, He's got you. Those who have that authentic relationship with Him will inherit eternal life, but will make the most lasting impact. You know, I remember years ago, uh, I was serving at a Christian camp, and part of serving at the Christian camp as a leader of a cabin full of, full of guys, it was a boys' camp, and leading, my, my whole responsibility was to lead them in Bible study every day, to make sure they made it to the places they were supposed to throughout the day, to make sure they made, had showers, to make sure and took them during the week to a camping trip, and all these other things I had responsibility for. But my main responsibility was to share my faith through what we were doing. And I remember sitting outside of that cabin in North Carolina at Ridgecrest, sitting outside that cabin at Ridgecrest Camp for Boys, and sharing my faith. And I remember how it feels, what happened, what reason I was doing it for. As a young boy was there with me, accepting Christ for the very first time. It was real. It was authentic. It was a God-sized moment. Did I do anything? I did. I made myself available to God. But He did all the work. He did all the saving. So God wants us to be available to Him for His glory, for His might to reign supreme in us. How many people in your life, in my life, are waiting for us to be available to God, to use the gifts and abilities we've been given for His kingdom's sake? Fifthly, how can you understand that a messed up church can be driven to do extraordinary measures when unleashed with the power and the might of God? I think you understand that we all are messed up. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all have shortcomings. We're not perfect. Only He was perfect. But what we do strive to do is to run the race well, to use the gifts and abilities that we've been given for God's glory, to use and have that abundant life and have that happiness and joy that nothing can take away from us in this world, and to be able to do so with all that we have and all that we are. See, I believe we all have a part to play. And I believe for many of us, we're all underutilizing the gifts and abilities that God's given each one of us. See, we have equally bought into this idea of individualism because that's what the society says. It's about me and mine. But in reality, together, as a family of God, we can do immeasurably more. Scripture tells us a house divided against itself will fall. So how can you, how will you use the gifts, the abilities, not for your own accolades or pats on the back, not so you get recognized because you may not ever get recognized, 
but so much so that the house of God, the people of God, the kingdom of God, greater still, so the world around us knows the name of Jesus Christ, so that they're able to grow in that understanding. I've said it like this, you can't lead somebody to go and do what you're unwilling to do yourself. So you might know all the things to do, but maybe you need to repent from the fact that you know what you ought to have been doing, yet you've never done it. So as we, as we finish out and as we close, I really want you to go back through those Scriptures because I think that, that you begin to look at it and you might say, well, this is valued over, this is valued over, this is valued. You've got to think with the target in mind, the end result. What's the point if we're not helping somebody know more about Christ than what they first knew? How are we serving others and helping them grow in their knowledge of Him? How are we discipling others and not just saying, well, they walked down an aisle and got dropped off there? How are they growing in their walk with God? Maybe that's you. Maybe you came to church and you're like, I got it all worked out, but I've never grown. I've never been to Sunday school. I've never been to DT. I've never been to one of these Zoom things. I don't even know what you've been talking about this whole time. My challenge is for you to connect in that way. Don't use excuses when you have solutions right before you. During this time right now, we've got to see what matters and what doesn't matter. And we've got to say, God, your kingdom matters. Your church matters. Your growth and and my knowledge of you has to grow so that I can feed others, so that I can serve others, so that I can go, so that I can do what I know I've been led to do for so many years, yet haven't done it for some kind of fear or some kind of lack of understanding. And maybe I've needed to push And I'm neglected to serve the church like I ought to serve. But I want to. I am. Let's pray. Father God, we come this morning. God, we thank You that that we can come together virtually, but God, one day soon together. Father God, we, we know that all of these things might seem a little confusing at times. God, this passage was written for a particular group of people at a particular time where they value speaking in tongues and and other things as more important than other things. Yet there was an understanding that no one understood what was being said. It wasn't for the edification of the kingdom. Heavenly Father, You each have a plan for each one of us as children of God to do something extraordinary that You've gifted us with. Heavenly Father, You provide innumerable ways for us to use those gifts that not just we know, but that the world around us takes notice of. Not so that we get the accolades, so that you get the glory, so that your kingdom might be furthered and furthered, so that we might grow, and by doing so, God, we might grow with our passion and understanding and knowledge that we need to lead others to grow in the same way. Heavenly Father, it's a cycle that we need to continue in our lives that the church exists outside the walls of the church, but we're only as strong as the ones who are in here who are serving with all their might for your glory. Heavenly Father, strengthen us in the days ahead. God calls us to, to give up the things in our life which we should have already given up. Calls us to want to serve you more than we want anything else. Help us to use the gifts and abilities you've given us for so much more than we ever understood. 
God, just forgive us where we fall short and get so self-focused that we don't see what you're doing around us. Father God, if there's someone here that absolutely has no relationship with you, God, I pray that today they might call on your name. They might reach out to you asking for forgiveness, realizing that you are the only way to salvation. And God, you might turn their world upside down. You might save them, give them a hope and a future, a love that they never knew, that grace and mercy might be poured all over their lives, that whatever they've done and wherever they've been pales into comparison to what you've done through Jesus Christ and what you continue to do through the Holy Spirit even now. God, we don't all understand why we are going through this pandemic or why things have happened in our lives the way they have. But God, we know we're not meant to know everything. We're meant to have faith and trust in a God who is greater than our circumstance and greater than all of our sins. So God, thank you for this time we gather together today. God, propel us to be able to make the decisions we need to make in this time of invitation. Let us come. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.